Welcome to another Scientology Fair Game, the podcast. Mike, I'm getting over being a little sicky. I know. You, you, so sound funny. Better, you sound better, though. I'll tell you, you know, like you make it through, like I've had people in my family members have COVID and like never got it. And then as soon as the world opened up, I got a cold. <laughs> anyway. Well, better, better that better that than COVID. Truth. So today we have some very special guests to me, uh, their family. And uh, we posted about this uh, amazing coming together, but we didn't tell the story. So I want to welcome Catherine and Julian Wayne to the show. Hello, guys. Hi. Hi. So, Mike... You know Catherine, but you've actually never met Catherine, which is funny, right? right? Uh, because, you know, when we were in Scientology, nobody really gave a shit about family, but Catherine is my, uh, well, was my sister-in-law. Ex-husband is William, who is now legally our adopted brother. I hope I've told that story because that's going to be weird for everybody to hear for the first time. Um, yeah. But when we left Scientology... So I've known I've known Catherine most of her life. Uh, her sister Melinda Brownstone was my closest friend in Scientology, and Melinda was very controlling. Still is. Um, she controlled my life, and I was her boss at one point. Uh, controlled her sister Catherine's life. Uh, tried to destroy her sister Catherine's life when she met Julian and married Julian, and got me involved. We we're trying to destroy their relationship. When we were in Scientology, like it's a really horrible, horrible story. Uh, but Catherine, uh, when we left Scientology, we let Catherine know what was happening. And Catherine, you decided to stay with Scientology. And so disconnected from me, Shannon, Sophia, my daughter, who you were, you know, and are her aunt. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> And um, Julian's whole family, Julian was raised in Scientology. He was um, went to Delphi Scientology School. They were both on staff. They both dedicated their lives to Scientology. Um, and so I don't know if we want to start there, if we want to start with the emails when we told you we were leaving. I mean, would that be an interesting place to start, Mike, do you think? Yes, I think so. I I, I mean, I'm, I'm interested, first of all, to hear just a little bit from Catherine yeah, and sure. Julian about what they feel is important to talk about today because you know we have our agenda and well, I think that they probably have theirs. And I want to remind everybody this is a success story. I mean it is. The it's fact amazing. They recently left Scientology and we've recently reconnected and and Catherine has her brother back, William has us back. And uh, although there's a lot of loss here because Julian lost his family in this, uh, they disconnected from him and their children because uh, they have two beautiful boys. Um, you know, it's a success story. We don't hear a lot of these stories, right? Right. Of the, of the reconnecting. And so I wanted to um, celebrate them and their strength. And I think you guys should talk a little bit about... Um, yeah, I, I think you should talk a little bit about your your Scientology stories, because Catherine, you and I talk mostly every day to, on text about how, what you're going through now, what you're realizing now, and Julian the same. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I know that Julian, I think that it's funny is that in Scientology, every single individual has their own story and perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, you get taken into an ethics room and you have your own thing and you know that next door, that per- that person who's going through the same thing is going through their own ethics situations. And so I think that there's stories from both sides where it's like, what was happening to me? What happened with me? And then what happened to Julian? What happened with you, Leah? What happened to like each individual person in our family? It's a very interesting thing. And trying to explain to people, one, our family tree and how we're connected gets people real confused. Yes. (laughs) And then trying to explain the whole situation of everything. People are like, but wait, why? Why would that even happen? And I think that people don't always understand that you live, breathe, eat sleep, you are a Scientologist in the complete sense that everything you do and every choice you make is based off of what Alron said to do. Right. Right. And that and and in that way everybody's Scientology story is the same in that you know, you had, uh, you know, a mom who was in Scientology, you know, your mother was on staff at the advanced organization in Los Angeles. Your dad was all about Scientology. Your relationships with your parents were conditional on, and your sisters, Leslie Mm -hmm. and Melinda was very conditional on what you guys were doing in Scientology. So for that, like, like you're talking about ethics, this is the department where we get reprimanded as children. And, you know, that is your primary caretaker growing up, uh, you know, L. Ron Hubbard's ethics um, technology, right? The, you know, depending, didn't matter who was sitting in front of you, usually a 15 year old, uh, Sea Org member who was just looking at the book saying, so you drank, so you had sex, so this is what you have to do. Uh, so you weren't on course today or you didn't do your auditing today. This is what L. Ron Hubbard says you have to do. And so to that, and to that extent, we all had the same upbringing, same neglect, same abuse. Um, mm. And so, you know, you're finding that out now because we text and I go, Catherine, you know, you were not parented. Right. <laughs> you... If anything, you were, uh, you experienced child abuse and neglect. Uh, well, exactly. Up. I was going to say, as I was talking to one of my aunts the other day, um, I think you've met her before, but I'm not sure. Um, but my aunt Jill, she's never been a Scientologist. She was a social worker. And I was telling her about a story from when I was four and left alone at home on a regular basis. That's what happened. My parents were both in the Sea Org. Right. Um, they joined when I was about two. Uh, They both were at the advanced org of Los Angeles. My father worked in what's called the knots unit, which is the new era Dianetics for OTs. That's OT five. So he worked in that department and my mom was a registrar. Her job was to sign people up. So they joined when I was about two. Um, And I have vivid memories of us sharing a room in what's called the Wilcox building because it was on Wilcox in Hollywood. It was a one room, one bathroom. It was me, my mom, William, and my dad. William and I shared a bunk bed. My parents had a bed. It was one room. And down the hall, my three sisters lived. Um, And then we moved to the near the big blue buildings. Right. So when I told her, I told her a story about how I wasn't feeling well. And of course, my parents couldn't be home with me. That's not allowed that, you know, being first of all, being told at four or five, that your dev T developed traffic causing more problems for people and that you're counteracting 
the expansion of Scientology is very damaging, damaging to yeah. uh, yes. a four-year-old brain. Yes. So, you know, you're told that. So you're told you can't be to have tea. You're sick. You just have to be home and get better by yourself. <clears throat> and, and by the way, you're told that throughout your whole Scientology uh, growing up, you know, if you're sad that your parents are not there or you're sad that your parents are there and don't see you as their child. I mean, this is traumatizing to to grow up in as a child. Yeah, absolutely. So when mm. I told my aunt the story, she stopped me mid track and was like, that's, that's neglect. That's child abuse. I can't believe you went through that. I didn't had no idea. Mm. And that's part of the thing is like, you'll have Scientology who people I've met people who are like, Oh yeah, I have family who are Scientologists. They seem like nice people. Right. And yes, like in general on the surface, they're nice people. I mean, they're, I think for the most part, Scientologists who are not blood sucking evil people, you know, who are just trying to get better are horrible people. I think that they're brainwashed and have been manipulated into doing horrible things, but I don't think that deep down they're horrible. Right. Regardless of what, whether or not they mean to be horrible, Catherine, it uh, is neither here nor there. Uh, this is still right. part, part of your work. It doesn't yeah. justify an adult not knowing that that's neglectful, right? It, it's, right. Still, it's still neglect. They could still be charged with child neglect, whether or not they meant to be uh, neglectful or not. Totally. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Totally. <laughs> no, and I agree. I fully agree. I, and I yeah. can see that now also, especially as an adult with my own two children. Mm-hmm. Boone, our youngest, is four. He's almost five. And I can't even conceive the idea of leaving him alone while he's sick and being like, I have to go, I have to go to, to my post now and I'll, I'll send someone to check on you later to administer medicine to you. You mean, like, vit- you mean vitamins? Well, no, actually, so medicine was Tylenol at the time because I had, when I was young, I actually had one of the seizures from high temperature. Uh So anytime I got a fever after that point, my parents forced me to have Tylenol. And of course, I don't know, I, my children, anytime they get sick, they don't want Tylenol. They don't want Tylenol except when they're not sick. Then they're like, it's candy. Let me have some. But when they're (laughs) sick, they're like, I don't want any. And it's like fighting cats and dogs. Understood. What about you, Julian? What was your general... Well, I got, so I came into Scientology actually a little bit later than most people did. Like Catherine was born in it. My mom was a serial cult jumper. She actually was like <laughs> kind of far out there in general. Right. We grew up in a different cult prior to Scientology. You did? I didn't into, know that. Yeah, we, yeah, we did. I didn't, I didn't either. Actually, you know, you grow up in a cult. You don't think that you're in a cult until you can see it retroactively. You know, like I just also want to say real quick, thank you, by the way, because this, you mentioned early in the moments ago, like us reuniting and connecting again. I don't think that I would be where I am mentally or in the world if I had not had this strange connection through Catherine to you. And just in general, this whole experience has been a, you know, a wild one, but, yeah. uh, so my mom was a serial cult jumper. She yeah. found Scientology through a boyfriend when I was around 10 and it was like a local chapter of a mission in Northern California. And it quickly led from there to the Delphian school, mm-hmm. which was like, you know, a way to offload your kids into a proper quote unquote, proper education, which is really just grooming for the same Scientology purpose. And for CEO, it was like a, a Oh, totally. Yeah. Recruiting, including a playground for recruiters to come and snatch, you know, young children, kids as young as 12, 13 into the Sea Org to be full-time employees of the cult yeah. at that young age. So I, I grew up in it that way. And I was, you know, indoctrinated to it through study technology. You know how to, this is the only way you can study. You have to use these tools by Mr. Hubbard. Right. Or otherwise you won't be able to do anything and you won't be able to succeed in, in education or in life. Right. And then, you know, looking back on it, I go, it was, 
it was an education, but yeah. a lot of the experience was, you know, grooming to be able to be a full-time on-course Scientologist. It kind of sets you up for that mentality and what to expect for for futures. Right. So right. Um, I went to, you know, with the school, I graduated from that school in Los Angeles, the, the chapter down there. Uh, and then there was a big push in the early 2000s for like OT8s and high up staff people to join staff, apparently, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I came into Scientology right when like that first golden age of tech, the first wave of like reselling the materials back yes. to the people again. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I came into it with like, oh, this is kind of novel. You know, it was like a, re a religion and my, my mom had grown up in Judaism. Yeah. And so I kind of had that side and my dad's, I was Catholic. So I had this weird background already. And then my mom had already been in another cult. And this one seemed a lot less crazy than the one we had been in, which involved a lot of like floating around in hot tubs and practicing what's called a rebirthing, which is like a whole nother weird. Oh, I would take that any day. Floating in a hot tub? <laughs> <laughs> Looking back on it. Yeah, totally. I'll take a, I'll take a hot tub. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so I, think it, I think actually it itself was a, a uh, weird takedown of Scientology. It was like a, a corrupted, even more corrupted version of the same garbage, right. you know, the same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up joining staff in 2004, I think. And that's where I met Catherine. Right. And it was, you know, I went, I trained at that flag, the highest, uh, the big org in Florida, whatever it was, to go get trained to be a, a supervisor, to be able to deliver the golden age of technology to other people. Right. And I spent, you know, I got there and it was funny arriving and seeing people who'd been there for years. It's like this training program that was like grueling and miserable. And you sleep in nine people to a, a single room with like eight bunk beds. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, you had four, you had four inches in a drawer for like your entire life to fit into. And you're expected to kind of go along and be happy. And I was miserable. I hated it. It was like, I was far from my friends. Right. I didn't, you know, I didn't know anybody. It was like pretty uncomfortable, but I knew that if I got through it quickly, I could get back home. Right. So I just did as fast as I humanly possibly could. And I now looking back on it, you know, Scientology uses the term glib a lot, which is like, you know, like a glossing over of a definition or glossing over lightly, not really getting it. Right. And I found that everyone around me was either an idiot or the, the or the material did not make sense, and it was just best to move on with your, right, your right. time because it, try right? to right best not to really try to understand it. Yeah, right, in most of it's just gibberish. So yeah. I I I glossed as fast as I could through it. I was yeah. back home in nine months. Yeah, and then I was I was seen as like a prodigy or like a superstar, and it really fed my ego. You know, like the the love bombing and the yes group massaging of your ego was just like tremendous. And I was like, all these people thought I was a rock star, and I was this amazing human being who somehow magically was able to understand the technology. Yeah, and I was convinced like I was the only person on earth who fully understood Ron's technology, and I was the only one who's going to be able to deliver it. Right, right. And then all of mankind it was like you know pinned on my ability to go and do the thing I just trained to do. Right. But I soon found as soon as I got back home, it was miserable. Like I was, you know, anytime I, anytime I ran into any kind of anything, it was like everyone I got thousands of reports written on me. And as soon as I got, <laughs> I started getting Catherine and you were a, you know, a celebrity connection. Yeah. Anything that came up for me, like if I had my statistics for the week were low, Yeah. I was on you know, the war path for like the higher ups. Yeah. And it was like, oh, you're connected to a celebrity. You have to be an angel to be able to be you know, be able to keep doing what you're doing. And right. then it kind of just spiraled into a wild scenario where I was getting, you know, as, it was my job. Like going to, yeah. It was like work, you know, like eight, nine to five kind of thing. For me, it was like a job. Not, right. I know that was a, the holistic, you know, save the planet kind of mentality. But as a job, it was like, yeah, nine, at five o'clock in the afternoon, I'm punching out and going home. And it was like, no, you need to be here till 8 p.m. You need to be on course studying every night after your nine hour shift. Uh -huh. And you also need to be here on weekends. And you also need to sell more materials to your friends and family. And also now that you're connected to Leah, you know, if you goof up at all, you're going to be, I they tried to throw me out of the, the church, I think four times in like the course of three months. Right. No, so it was hell. It was pretty, yeah, it was but, hell. It was, it was, yeah. And you stuck it out. And uh, uh, by the way, I apologize to Julian many times and Catherine many times for my behavior uh, 
with Melinda you know, <laughs> throughout this this time. And um, so so now let's fast forward. So you guys were you were in Scientology for how long? Let's let's take us up to the moment that we decided we were leaving. Catherine, you're in for. So when we officially had left, I was, I think Julian and I officially left when I was 36. We, it was a summer afternoon. I was at mm. the dining room table and I had a breakdown. I basically was like, I don't care about Scientology anymore. I don't want to practice it. I don't care if it is the thing that's supposed to save the world. I miss my family. I'm going to mm. cry because it was an emotional time where I felt, I felt safe enough one to tell Julian that. Like yeah. I was, you know, that's the one thing is that people don't always understand is like, you can't say that to your partner right? and, and be, think that you're going to be okay. That's they, potentially they, me saying, yes. I want a divorce. We got, and they report you and right. then you're right. And then that's the end of your relationship because what would happen is, you know, let's say Julian wrote, he would usually write a report on his wife and say, she's, you know, disaffecting. She doesn't want to be in Scientology. They would pull Julian and say, okay, so you got to divorce her, uh, even though you have children, it's the right thing to do. Uh, exactly. And they would do that to Catherine if it was the roles were reversed. So you're right. It is a very scary thing to say that to another Scientologist because you're not safe. It's, it's if you guys haven't seen 1984 or know the reference, uh, it, it's, it, it is exactly that. Scientology is 1984. Um, so yeah, that is a very scary moment. Now, just so people know, you guys had left LA, you yeah. moved to Oregon and you had some separation, right? But even mm -hmm. prior to that, I want people to know your mom sadly passed away. Um, and so you only had your dad, Melinda yeah. and Leslie, who are Scientologists. Right. Just to give people an idea of the kind of father we're talking about. I hope you don't get mad at this, Catherine. <laughs> but when you guys first moved, it was hard financially. It was. Yeah, of course. We moved states. We weren't moving, you know, a little town over. We weren't going from, from Glendale to Burbank and it's a half hour move. We shoved everything we could in one car, waved goodbye and drove 13 hours north until we got to Oregon. And right attempted to make a brand new life for ourselves because Los Angeles had been so, so tumultuous and yeah. so hard and to go through all the different steps. So like to back it up a little bit when yeah. Julian and I were both on staff together and, you know, Julian became this target point of like, yeah. he's evil, destructive. He, everything all our quote unquote friends at the time, you know, it's, it's, it was a mini shunning. Yeah. So because Julian was quote unquote out ethics and he wasn't willing to give 100% of himself physically and mentally to Scientology, he wasn't worthy of their time anymore. Right. So for me, I learned in that quick lesson, oh, these are not, these are not friend friends. These right. are people who are there who will hang out with you if you're available and around but they're not actual friends. So that was one point for me where I was like, well, I don't need, I don't want to be here. We kept, we left because we said we don't want the fake people in Los Angeles. And 
just over the last year, I realized like the people who were fake in Los Angeles were just the Scientologists. Cause I never right. really had friends who were not Scientologists in right. Los Angeles. And, and it was conditional. I think the yeah. word to use here is conditional. It's like, yeah, your sister, if you did not want to show up to a brunch of hers, you know, you were in trouble with your church. She had that kind of control. It was like, it wasn't just a brunch at your sister's. I don't want to give anybody the idea of a family unit working. You know, all families have problems, right. but they don't usually report you to your church. You don't usually right. get shunned because your sister uh, is considered, uh, you know, I don't. Your, your sister likes to connect herself up with celebrities of Scientology. So it wasn't just me. So she would report you, report Julian. She would get everybody to shun you guys if you weren't doing what her and her husband, Eric Brownstone, wanted you to do. Exactly. It was things like, like, I mean, Julian can even tell the story of a time we went to dinner as a family. Vicky was there, your mom. Mm -hmm. I think George, William, Shannon. It was a Chinese restaurant. Julian had food poisoning and we got there and he's like, I can't eat this. I'm sorry. I can't. So he politely sat there, drank water, was chatting with Vicky. Like he wasn't being evil. He wasn't sitting there sulking and having a, you don't need to, you don't need to explain yourself, Catherine. Right. I'm just saying, but I want people to understand like how extreme it was. Right. So, so that made Melinda mad, Mm -hmm. like to the point that she claimed that Julian put her into labor. Eric ripped <laughs> off his shirt and was like, let's go, bro. And ready to punch Julian in the face. Like, yeah, this is how extreme it went. And yeah. I don't think that everyone always understood because one is that I learned very young at an age not to complain. Yeah. You don't speak up. You don't say anything. You're going to get abused. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. This is how life is. And you don't get to have those boundaries. You don't get to say, this is ridiculous. I don't want this. You right. don't get to, you never get taught that you yeah. get taught. You do what's best for everyone else. And you just keep powering through. Yeah. And if there's a quote unquote power in the family, like Melinda, mm-hmm. you, you learn to be subservient to that power in Scientology, like even if it's your sister or your, you know, exactly. yes. Yeah. So what I was explaining was when you moved to Portland yeah, and you guys were not doing well, you wrote us and said, we're not doing well. We just need a little bit of help to get on our feet. And we all wrote an email, including your dad. Listen, we're going to, William's going to drive up there He's going to bring all the stuff that they need, like, you know, stuff for the house, stuff for the baby, stuff because you were, you know, you at this point were pregnant. Mm-hmm. Your dad's response is, why would I contribute? She's the one who got herself into this condition. And that right. is the mentality of a parent in Scientology, that it was somehow a bad thing that you were pregnant and that you needed some help. And right. you deserved whatever you were going through, whatever you enjoyed. And it was William, your brother, who got yeah. in the car and drove. And we all chipped in. We all did what we could, right, at that time to help you guys out. Because that's what family does. But that's exactly. not what a Scientology family does. And that is your relationship with your dad, with your sisters. So understand that when we left, and I was writing you the emails of what was happening right before I left, 
I was like, how could you choose the side that was never there for you when you were in, like growing it's so up? Hard to, you know what I mean? It's yes. So hard, it's so hard to see that dynamic of like, you know, you, you think that because of the, because there is the, 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 the religion will take care of the rough parts for you. You assume that everyone's acting in your best interest, but you don't ever see how horribly conditional everything really is. Every single moment, right. either you're, you owe them in the favor in the future, or you're not, you know, you're in a lower condition. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're extra weight for them. You're adding to their extra already burdensome workload and doing what they're doing. So you're never really given like, Hey, I'm just gonna do this because I love you. Cause right. I care about you right. being compassionate and having empathy. It's never that way. It's really hard to see. And I will say that when you, you know, when it's so funny that talking to you now in this retrospective, look at it, because I remember walking through your house at one point and you had been questioning, I think you asked a question. I remember this very specifically. You asked about like other religions. And in my training of Scientology, Ron talks specifically about dabbling in other religions is like squirrel, which is considered to be like the, the worst kind of Scientology you can do. Like you're alter practices or other right, practices right 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 and you 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 were inquisitive about like christianity and other religions to kind of, i think you were starting to form yes the ball yeah you were start, i think you were already on that path and you and sent me, me a I bunch was, of books well here's the thing i was like this lady's a, I was like, this lady's a heretic I'm like, this, lady's a, this lady's a witch we gotta burn her i was convinced that you were like the purest form of like scientology evil that there was because everything i had studied up to that point yeah. point like you know like I figured you'd had bad technology delivered to you. Your sure. auditor was off the rails. Like, there's yeah, all yeah. these things that I had read about that, like, right. you know, Ron covers. And I was like, my gosh. And then looking back on it now, I was like, holy shit, this lady just, you know, you, you uncorked the body, you figured out, you pulled the loose thread until you were on the right trail. And now I go, I am so glad that you did that. Yeah. I'm so blessed <laughs> to be able to go, wow, I was completely in this mindset. Like I, everything's black or white. Ron, right. you know, it's absolutes only. Right. Nothing else but Ron. Right. And now I go, well, I can, I can, evaluate and think freely like what a gift you've given me amazing it's oh i can yeah i can think about it I go, that's different yeah but you guys did it so i wanted to, i wanted to, so for six years so you guys uh you know I, I remember the last email where i basically was like Catherine, you you know i understand you need to choose your family you know your other family and i get mm -hmm. it and that was kind of the last time we spoke right and you were like ugh this sucks yeah. Uh, when was that? Yeah. Me. That when was, was in So Rex was just about to turn 1 so that would be 2013 is when Yeah, we because we came cuz we drove to see you, right? We sh we came, yep. we drove to see you and the baby. Yeah. And that was before you went to Oregon or or just after? No, then when we got back, uh you know, we went to go see oh, We were the, Yeah. Yeah, we were already living in Oregon and yeah, Leah yeah. came up to visit us here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not familiar with all the details, but also it probably helps the people who are listening who aren't as familiar as you guys yeah, are. Yeah, so this we moved sequence. into Oregon. Right. So we moved to Oregon. Julie and I moved to Oregon the, the late end of 2009. And then we had Rex, our first son, in 2012. So over those three years or so, two, three years, it was a struggle and all that. And that's when we could see that the the particularly for me, I could see at the time where, you know, going back to my father, I could see that he wasn't a parent that was someone who I needed, you know, because yeah, he, he wasn't there. Someone. I mean, yeah. How no. many times has he been to your house? How, how many times has Never. he met your grandsons, his grandsons? He's met Rex one time when we mm -hmm. came down for Thanksgiving that one time. Yes. And he's never met Boone. Yeah. And I've invited him many times, asked him, said, we have space for you. 
everything. And his answer always was time is money. Money is time. I can't afford it. Um, but he's, he, he could afford it because I know this because he's made it available to go to flag several times. Well, listen, Scientology, Catherine, Scientology costs minimum three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars. He's been in Scientology all his life. He's been paying for Scientology. So it's it's what it's what's important. And it's family is not important. It was never important to him and it will never be important to him. Um, No, it's not. As long as he's in Scientology. So let's go back to, uh, so for six years, so, you know, like we, like you said, we had holidays together. You, you've been here for Christmas, for Thanksgiving. And then I left, wrote you guys saying we're leaving and William's coming with us. Yeah, no. And I had conversations then, with William and I feel like when I look back at it, I go, I wish I had that voice, but I wasn't ready to have of that Of course, voice. Catherine, I'm not, I'm I was, not. I'm scared. Of course, I get it. But I want to go to the moment where, so for six years, we didn't speak. Yeah. And then what changed for you guys? I mean, I, sometimes I look, go through my junk email just to see like, you know, has Catherine written us yet? Like just to see if I had, because, you know, a lot of my friends, just so that they didn't have to do it, I block them so that they didn't have to write to me a disconnection letter so that like- I saved them that. So I was like, I would go through and it was like one day there it was. Right. So take, well, take us through like what happened with you guys. Cause you, you had separation, which is good. And you always hear this, Mike, I had separation. You hit, you hear it from gang members when they go right. away or when they're on house arrest. I just had time away from white supremacists. I had time away from the hate, from the, the rhetoric to, to just, be a person and i started to look for myself yep so they had some time away from yeah cuz not living in la and having family like melinda and leslie and your dad like always on you guys every day about why are you not on course why are you not getting audited helps it does mm-hmm. we you know we moved far enough away from the local <laughs> portland church that we yeah. were you know, the, this organ has a pretty small community of Scientologists. And they all live in basically two spots, one near the Delphian school where we moved to, because, you know, it's kind of like the, you know, it's a, a network of people you already know because yeah. they're the same religion you are or whatever that is. Yeah. And we were far enough away from the actual church itself. Cult, and I'd had so cult. much trauma. Yeah. Cult, yeah. Cult. Um, wouldn't call cult, it yeah it's church. not religion. You're right. Yeah, okay. uh, I'd had so much trauma in my leaving staff and wrapping everything up and getting out of there that I had no interest in, you know, I was saddled with a, not a huge debt for the services that I've been trained, but enough to be, it was like, I refused. I said, I'm not paying a single dime on this because a, I contributed more than, than you ever gave me. And right. B, this is insane. This is an insane debt to give to me and I'm not doing any of it. So I refused. So for those six years, while we also had distance, I also just, I was illegally able, unable to go up and do any more Scientology, which right, was a because you had a, Right. So they wanted you to pay for the training that they forced you to do. Right. For, for and your I, job. Right. And I said, no. And- yeah. And Julian, I just got to ask you because you, you, you earlier, Catherine mentioned that you were both on staff. How much were you getting paid a week? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, on a, a good week, I think I made $150 to $200 a week on a good week. Yeah. I think the how highest. Did you, I, how did, yeah, go ahead. Uh, the highest I ever got paid one week, I think it was an, I, an IAS 
Week, which is an international association of Scientologists where people can basically get people to donate money and then the staff get a percentage of that. So right. I think I got like $260 once, but wow. on the flip side, one of several weeks, but one week, particularly, I remember walking down, going downstairs to treasury and being like, where's pay this week. And the, the treasury secretary was like, it was 16 cents. We're not giving out pay this week. And that's what it was. It was literally like 16 cents. And I was like, cool. All right. See you later. <laughs> so, you know, on average that I would say it was like about 25 to $35. It was enough to cover some gas is what I used it for. And that's why I ended up starting to work for Leah and watching Sophia actually was because I needed money to be able to survive while on staff, even though my parents were willing to support me as much as they could and let me live in their home for free. That's the thing is it like, I was lucky enough. There are people who have to work two other jobs just to be on staff. And I was a young enough kid who I had parents who paid for everything. But I mean, oh, I could tell you the stories of the people who I'd go to their homes and it was like, it was five staff members sharing on a, a small bungalow a block away from the street that was filled with cockroaches and rats and it was just disgusting and dirty and they're like this is all we can afford and like you do know. you want to explain the difference between um the sea org and a staff member yeah 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 a, a staff member is a person who works theoretically nine to five or evenings and weekends in so, a it's a or so it's a parishioner who's working for Scientology, right? Right. right. Like a, like a volunteer. A, like, yeah, they call them volunteers, but everybody mm -hmm. in Scientology is a volunteer so that they can avoid labor laws and taxes, et cetera, et yeah. cetera. But a staff member is someone who works in what is usually a local Scientology organization mm -hmm. in cities around the world. Sea Org members are ones who work in the higher echelons of Scientology, and they live in the Sea Org 24-7. Yeah. Staff members live in their own accommodations somehow yeah. and uh, go to work at the, at the local org and go home again at night. But Sea Org members, they're in the Sea Org all the time. And in some ways, being a staff member, as opposed to a Sea Org member, is a tougher life than being in the Sea Org. Exactly. <laughs> it, it is more difficult to to survive literally with enough food to eat and a place to have a roof over your head than the the deprivations that sea org members go through they're sort of different you know there's more torture going on in the sea org and you know physical abuse and that sort of stuff but generally in the sea org you got something to eat even if it's rice and beans and somewhere with a roof over your head to sleep mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that's why i asked the question because this comes up a, a, a lot and people ask us often leah like what's what is the deal with this these staff members and how do they survive because there isn't ever a staff member that i have spoken to who has earned a wage that allowed them to live right. by the work that they do in Scientology, yeah. which is 
absolute insanity when you think about the fact that they have accumulated $3 billion. Right. It's not like there is a lack of money. They're charging people enormous amounts of money for the auditing and the training that they're getting, mm -hmm. but they won't pay the staff. Right. So anyway, that, and that's a bit of and an then, aside, but. And then have the balls to give people debt. Exactly. When they, <laughs> so, when they, yeah. So. And say, you owe us. You gave right. us your life, but you owe us. You're working, you're working yeah. 9 a.m. to yeah. 10 p.m. Every day of the week. For two hundred dollars, yeah. and then when you leave, they say, "Up, oh, well, now you owe us nine thousand seven hundred and forty-seven dollars mm -hmm. because you took a course that we made you take, take in right. order to do your job." Right. And then on top of that, you leave and you have no actual skill set that apply to the actual world potentially. Right. Right. You don't have an education. You don't have a four hundred one k. You don't have a resume that speaks to like what you can do. Right. And so you're, you basically come out, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm now a brand new adult baby. I'm like, I'm an adult. Yeah. I've made all these decisions. I have no idea how to do anything in life. Right. I will say also in that time period where we were silently disassociating, uh, you know, my brother and his wife and his, my mom are all very, my mom was not so much active in Scientology anymore, but my brother was actively trying to go up the bridge. His wife was a born in Scientologist, very active, very dedicated and right. the further he proceeded to go into Scientology, the less and less our relationship became very viable. And, you know, like brother was no longer brotherly. It became like this weird kind of forced awkwardness. Well, I think it became that, that, a Scientology relationship. Exactly. It was very yeah. much conditional. And if we weren't yeah. on, if we weren't doing Scientology, we were not considered to be like, you know, worthy of their time. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really helps drive home the point of like, Catherine and I could really see that, you know, even we had stayed because my family was in, they right. weren't really family. They, you guys, the, the very least like just even you guys not even being around you were more family-like because you were there for you said we are here for you whenever you're ready right, that was right. more than even my family could provide while they were actively talking to me right 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 so Catherine, you look at julian one morning and say i can't do this anymore yeah i literally had a down i said i don't care anymore i right. don't i don't want i would rather give up scientology and the possibility that this is truly something that's going to save the planet I would rather give that up than not be able to talk to my brother anymore. I can't take it anymore right. because I went into a severe depression after you guys left. Like just, it was an emptiness inside me that just couldn't be fulfilled by no matter what I tried to do, no matter what I tried to create, or it was just that emptiness. And it was like, I just couldn't take it anymore. Right. You know, it felt like a wound that was just not able to heal. Right. And you were seeing, so that, like, it wasn't like your, yeah. it wasn't like your life was being fulfilled by your sisters in Scientology, your dad in Scientology. You were like, okay, we're here by ourselves, basically, with no family, mm -hmm. and no, none of our Scientology friends. Like, so what are we missing? Right. Like, what, 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 what's? Why are we holding on? Well, the, yeah, and I was lucky enough to, by chance make a really great friend who was not a Scientologist. Her mm. son is born like four days before Rex. And yeah. we met when the boys were nine months old yeah. and something clicked. And it was yeah. the first time I'd had a real like adult friendship right. that was not conditional. Right. She loved me no matter what I could tell her something. And she wouldn't, she would literally not judge. Right. She wouldn't secretly judge and then go the write, write a report right, or right, anything. Right. It was just, it was just, okay, I accept you as you. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. I still think you're great. You're a great person. And that showed me that. And then I could see from her life, I was like, she's really pretty great. She has a good life. She's not struggling. She's not having horrible. And she's not a Scientologist. And I said, right. and that's where it started to open up the, the, the floodgates, critical right? thinking. Yeah. The yes, floodgates yeah. where I can go, wait a minute. Scientology is not obviously the only answer. Cause that's what you're taught. Especially if you're born into it, you're told, all other religions are fake. All other religions don't work. Any other technology doesn't work. Only Scientology will be the thing that makes your life better. Right. And then I could finally see, oh, wait, there are other people on this planet and this whole world who are doing well in life and they're not Scientologists. Right. And it's so simple, but it's something that I needed to see. I had the same, like, it's crazy because people think like I could say to you and, and Julian, I started looking at everything going, wait, like Xerox doesn't work. Wait a minute. Bose doesn't use science. Wait a minute. Like nobody that I like, nothing is virtually run by Scientology or uh, technology. And somehow the world is doing it without Scientology. But I will say though, like, you know how, like going to all those crazy, like events where you see like the LRH historian, the guy who comes up and talks about like Ron's fantastical maiden voice, all these crazy fake stories aren't real. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. You start to think like I was convinced that like he had alone pioneered so much stuff that it had filtered into the regular world. And every time I'd hear anything like, you know, the word hat, it describes like your function or your duty. Yeah. yeah. That's a regular word. Everyone uses that word. But I was convinced that it had filtered into the regular world from Scientology. Right. Right. So like here I am thinking like, oh, my gosh, this guy's got his fingertips and everything. (laughs) And then as soon as you undo that little bit of like, a, you know, what if he didn't? What if he didn't actually do any of this stuff? And you go, oh, oh, and it just starts to fall apart. Exactly. I mean, and it, and it did. I shouldn't say this is the first time any of us has had these thoughts. It's just that none of us were ready to leave the only life we've ever known and all exactly. of our family and friends. So, yeah, it's amazing. And then, uh, Catherine, so you tell Julian, and, and Julian, what is your response when she says, I, I, I don't want to do this anymore? You know, we talked, I think that the topic had come up a little bit before, and I was mm-hmm. so worried that I would lose my family. Yeah. That we would get, you know, with the 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 repercussions from the from Scientology are, it's you know that they're going to come after you. That yeah. that world of hurt is always on the horizon. Yeah. So like the that Catherine brought this topic to me, and I, you know, like I was, you know, I was not ready to hear it. I couldn't even have empathy for her wishing that she could see her brother again. Couldn't I? Could not as a Scientologist have empathy. Just was not empathetic towards her or anyone. Right, just, a, right. just a jerk in general. Yeah. And I think I remember her being so depressed and so sad that I was like, you know what? fuck it. Like worst case scenario, my wife is happy. Like worst case scenario. And that's like, you know, that's better than anything else. If if all this other crap comes my way, as long as my wife is happy, that's worth whatever trouble I'm going to get into because of this. And so we, you know, we took the leap and it was like the most terrifying decision ever. Like I still like for weeks and months after that, couldn't even like, you know, we we went to go Google you know, you, you, stop, you Google the Scientology stuff and you're like, yeah. what if my head explodes? Like, what, right, if I right. <laughs> what if I get cancer? Go, go, yes. Go, yeah. yes. So I recall, I remember being on the, the, the base in Los Angeles and there was someone who had been posting confidential materials, quote unquote, confidential materials on the telephone poles around the base in an attempt to wake people up, I think. Right. right. And I remember being told by the security guards that if you saw the material, you would literally go crazy. Right. You know, like there's the term type three or like, you know, like yeah, you, yeah. You literally, you go and crazy. I realize now. Yeah. Now is because if you saw some lunatic sentence that there are aliens on Mars and that's how you got here, of course you're going to think it's crazy. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. you'll lose your mind because you're going to tell your friends that they're nuts. 
Yes. That they shouldn't believe it anymore. And then right, you're out of right. the group and you're, you know, right. you're blacklisted and you're kicked yes. out and no one will talk to you ever again. So right. there is truth to the sentence that you'll go crazy. But like, you know, Kath and I stood there holding our phones, ready to Google it. Like, what will happen to us? Will we literally cease to exist? Well, right. like, you know, I like, don't know. And I right, Googled right. it and I was like, oh my gosh, it's all made up. You know, and then all of a sudden you're like, I'm not, I didn't die. My head didn't explode. Right. It's amazing. Right. And then what, what was it, Catherine? Because I remember our first, the first email you wrote was, was, you know, um, a couple of lines. You just said, I, I, I want to talk. Are you open to that? And I think I wrote back, of course, Catherine, I've been waiting for this email for a long time. Yeah. And then well, we start I was terrified. I, was I know. Terrified. I, <laughs> I know. And then you wrote this email and you, you said like, you're not really ready to like be public. And I wrote you back saying, I love you. But as a mother, I cannot allow Sophia to experience that. I couldn't tell her oh, here's your Aunt Catherine and Uncle Julian, uh, like back in your life. But, you know, don't post any pictures with that. You know what I mean? Like, and it was nice. I wasn't, I wasn't mean. I just said, you know, I can't like allow that because we don't have that in our lives anymore. You know, like conditional love. And then you wrote back, like I thought long and hard. And then I didn't get an email for like a week. And I was like, oh, I had to sit sit on that (laughs) because I read it and you know, I take things very personal and I go, Oh my gosh, she's mad at me. She doesn't want me in her life. Like I took it personal and you know, I had to, I really had to think about it. I obsessively thought about it and sat and considered it and really had to like put myself in your shoes. Why would you say that? What are your intentions and how would I feel as a mother for myself? And then that's when I was like, okay, that makes sense. Now I see that she's doing these actions not to be mean. She's not trying to be mean to me. She's not trying to shun me or punish me because it's been six years. Yeah. It's she wants to protect her baby, her family. She's worked very hard to and establish a new life. That is one of unconditional love acceptance. And I understood. And that's when I was like, you know what? Let's tear the bandaid right off. Let's yeah. go public. Let's just enough with fake family, enough with fake friends, enough with conditional love and support. And like one friend, she said, we totally support you, but we won't be posting any photos with you publicly. <laughs> right. And I was like, okay, well, I get it. That's, you know, because they still have connections and yeah. I empathize. Cause I do, I can put myself in those shoes and understand how scary it is to be like, Oh my gosh, these people don't actually love me. Right. Not right. the way you think they do. Right. And I can empathize with that, but I also know that like if you aren't like if you're not out that way, you're still under the control of the car. Exactly. You're still yes. in. You're, yeah, you are still a slave to the thing because you're so exactly. scared that people yes. would think that you can be a free thinker, that you can be real for yourself. Like <laughs> you're never be afraid of that. That's like the most bullshit thing ever. It's so, crazy yeah. now that yeah. you're out, right, Julian? Like it sounds so crazy. Sounds insane. Yes. And then what I, about you? And then what about you, Jill? Go ahead, Mikey. Leah, I just wanted yeah. to say something because yeah. I, you know, I participated in this in some respects because I remember the day that you got the email from Catherine. Yeah. And you said, Oh my God. You were so excited. Yeah. You were like just beside yourself. That's right. I was. And, yeah. And I was very emotional. You were like, 
Yeah. Oh my God. And you, you like, you answered it. And then I remember when you got the answer back from Catherine and she was like, well, you know, we're not totally ready. And it was like, it, you were traumatized by this. Yeah. Like, what do, how do I, what do I do? How do I, like, am I doing the right thing? I mean, this was not like a, a flippant. No. Uh, response. No, because I, I didn't. Talking. I didn't want. I didn't want to blow her off, but I also was like, "Well, there goes that." You know what I mean? And and you know, the reunion's not going to happen. The family's not going to get back together, and Catherine's not going to, you know, know William or Sophia. Or, you know, and it's is you know, it was back to sadness right. that yeah. I had mourned for six years already. You know, yeah, you but, handled it really well, I think, because you know, in listening to your podcast in the previous episodes, and just you know, there's so much healing has to go into like getting out of this mindset yeah. in general like yeah. there are episodes of your show we haven't even watched because it's just you can't too much you know, you're like oh how much yeah. like, you know we're doing three a day and you're like you're crying and you're emotional and you're a wreck and you take like three weeks off and you heal and you come back around but i remember in some of your podcasts you know talk to you talk to dr hassan about like the right way to approach people in the cult and, like how to you know how to use empathy and love what you did was was the right tactic because it didn't didn't scare us off. Whereas like yeah. when I went to tell my brother, my mom, I was like the exact opposite. I was like, you know, I was like, you're in a cult. And I yelled at them and I told them all the things I've always wanted to say. And I, you know, that, that didn't really, I don't think that really landed in a place where they could be like, Oh, Julian is a logical smart thinking guy. So, you know, what your tactic was, was, you know, it definitely worked. Cause I remember Catherine coming back with those emails and you know, I, I was still barely over the fence. Maybe yeah. my foot was still caught on the fence in terms yeah. of Scientology. And you know, my family was, I had not told them anything. I had not really had that conversation yet. And I could see her interfacing with you. And I was like, oh, I'm in a world of trouble. My parents, my brother finds out like, you know, that, that, that thing's going to happen to me. Yeah. And I had already experienced so much trauma in that regard with, of you course. know, leaving Scientology, leaving the Los Angeles area with Melinda, with, you know, yeah. just in general. Um, but the, you know, Catherine come to me and she's like, look, this is the email I got from Leah. We'd read it together. We'd sit down, we'd talk about it. You know, we'd have our feelings, we'd take, take apart. And we were, I don't think us as a couple were very close because of Scientology. Right. As a married couple. The yeah. barrier between married couples is like huge because you know yes. you're afraid that they'll write a report on you. Oh, you're not really in a relationship not, in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I, I don't think yeah. we really were actually like a couple, like a real couple, until we you actually left, left Scientology. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and then we were able to go. Oh, we, we get along. We actually have yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we're cool. <laughs> yeah, so, it's amazing to think about that as like a component. Like, yeah, you know, like I asked, I remember asking my brother if he'd ever had a deep conversation with his wife about like life things because mm-hmm. Catherine and I had been hanging out since we'd kind of woken up. And start talking about stuff, deep yeah. conversations, you know, like things you talk about somebody when you're, you know, really close with them. Yeah. And, you know, he was like, no, the answer was like, so like, I was like, of course not. How could you right. possibly right. talk to her about anything other than Scientology? Yeah, exactly. Scientology. And yeah. if she ever said anything out of sorts with Scientology, he'd write her up and vice versa. It's yep. not a safe relationship in any no. stretch of the imagination. So when you told your family, Julian, uh, uh, what was the reaction? Well, I met with my brother first. Like, you know, I, I feel like I was pretty close with him growing up. He's four years older than me. I look yeah. up to him my whole life. He's like, you know, I'm going to cry. I know. He's a, he's a big brother. I love him. And, yeah. uh, you know, I went to him. I said, dude, I, I, I love you so much. I'm, I'm taking this time to tell you how I feel because it's important to me that you know how I feel. Yeah. And he was just, you know, that glossed over dead Scientology, like nothing. Yeah, and no was, emotion. You know, like the, you, you learn training routines, like how to basically not have any emotion whatsoever. And so he was yeah. just dead. And I yeah. spent four hours with him going over everything. I, I yelled and I cried and he didn't, never once had any emotion, not one yeah. time in four hours. And I was like, gosh. And then the next day he calls me and he, very calmly. He goes, Hey, so, you know, I, I figured he's reaching out to me because he wants to, 
he 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 got it. He woke. He right, also right. woke up instantly. Right, he didn't right, need six right. years. I'm like, no, yeah, imagine, yeah. imagine. And he goes, "Does Catherine feel the same way?" I was like, "You idiot! How you? What do you mean? Of course she feels the same way." I just, yes, of course. Why wouldn't make right. this leap without that? Right. Okay. And then he's like, "Okay, I can hear him taking notes. Like he's writing a report. This is what he's doing because he's co- oh, he's literally okay. making notes that he can write a report to document right. exactly what happened, what right. he heard, what." enemy lines I gave him so he can go and get re-indoctrinated and in how to come up with, you know, how to address it should it happen again. Right. So he, can, it was he most, could dead agent yeah, any, it, any exactly. false data and, that you've gotten on the internet, on the world wide web. Exactly. Yes. And, right. Any truths I may have uncovered. So yeah. at the time when he called me, I didn't see what he was doing. And then right. later it was like, oh, he's just documenting it for purposes to be able to keep himself in good standing with the cult. Right. So he's covered, he's covering his own ass. He doesn't give a shit about me. Doesn't care about anything. He's just looking out for number one, and it's that number one is not him. It's the cult, right? His own well-being. And that was that was the last conversation you had. I actually, well, I went to his house one more time over (laughs) this over last summer to go. Here's the thing: so we live in the same town, a mile apart. I, I know. I see him at the grocery store. I saw the guy, so I was like, you know what? I, I, I had woken up enough that I was so upset that he. I think my brother's one of the smartest guys I've ever met. He's like a brilliant dude, like very, very incredibly talented and very smart guy. I figured he, of all people, would be able to put two and two together. He also grew up on the internet, so I know he's Googled some stuff. I know he knows something about the truth of what Scientology really is, but has put past, you know, moved past it. And in our first conversation, he had, I said, Joe, you know, Ron had been involved in, in all kinds of crazy shit. And he goes, oh, the occult stuff? So he knew it. Like, he had said, right. he dropped it. He like, you Googled it, dude. You know right. the truth. Right. So when I went, so I was like so mad that he just wouldn't look past it, that I went to his house. And I knocked on his door and, you know, because I I'd called him and left him emails and never got a single response. My phone would go right to voicemail because he had put me on block. Like if there was an emergency, he right. wouldn't have answered the phone. Right. So I drove to his house and I knocked on the door and he didn't answer. I knocked on the door again. He didn't answer. So I pounded as hard as I could. And he opened the door and I, he came outside and he was like, he was, you know, Did not, no, no reaction. Nothing. No yeah. motion. Ice, no, ice. Yeah. Ice. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. yeah. Fake is fake as it fake can be. Yeah. And I, told him how I felt. And I said, I'm not willing to suppress my feelings. I'm not willing to tell you I don't care about you or that I don't love you because I do. Yeah. I love you. And that's why I'm here. I love you. And I'm telling you that this is not what you think it is. And you have to be like, it's, I know it's scary. I know it's hard to make this leap, but you have to be willing to make the leap. Trust me. Yeah. And I threatened to beat his ass up. And I, you know, I gave him one of these and, and yeah. I, and I cried and I left. And then, you know, he called my, he called, we share a father between the two of us who, you know, is kind of the middle ground. Yeah. My dad called me. He's like, Oh, you went to your brother's house, huh? And I, yeah. And he goes, Oh, you know, he was a little bit, your brother was shaken up by your visit. I go, I imagine so. And then my, my brother had, you know, complained about the fact that I'd come over. My dad asked him, did he tell you he loved you? He goes, yeah. He goes, well, that's why he was there, dude. Right. So like, you know, that, that, that general, like that love is there, but that was the last time I saw him. It didn't, you know, just nothing. He couldn't, he couldn't have a real relationship. He couldn't talk to me. He said he wanted me to do well. He wanted me to, you know, live a good life, but right. nothing beyond that. So he doesn't, he won't know his nephews. He won't know his brother. He won't. Good. If you need to deal with the kids, we could just. Oh yeah, no, he won't. He won't know his his nephews. He won't know his family. He won't. Yeah, it's a. It had already been going that direction. I think that that wedge was already. Catherine Wright didn't go on course. We didn't go into Scientology to do more Scientology stuff. And he was going to flag to go get clear. He came back from. He came back from going clear, and he was even. That level of brainwashing at that stage, I think, is like so detrimental because before that he was somewhat normal. Yeah. And then at that point forward, he was just a different guy. Right. And what about your mom? Uh, I, so, so I think that's an interesting topic and there's, I could go into it for hours because, you know, she grew up in a unique place herself and I can feel empathy for how she was raised. But last time I saw her, I basically told the same thing. I said, mom, 
you know, this was a, I'm pretty sure this is a cult that we've been in for the last few years. Uh, I Googled it. Here's the things we've been being brainwashed with. And she just turned it around and said, how do you know you've not been brainwashed? And I was like, what? And she called, you know, she pointed at, she was like, you're, you're connected to Leah again, aren't you? And I was like, oh my gosh, this lady. And she kind of <laughs> went off on like, you know, all the horrible stuff that I must be doing that must be account for why I feel the way I feel. And uh, she insulted me and my family and I kicked her out of my car and I never saw her again. That was it. <laughs> that was it. And no connection with your, with her grandsons. No. Oh, well, see your thing. So she tried to, she, she tried to send some letters to them, just uh-huh. addressed to them specifically. Yeah. And I had to call her out and said, you can't, you can't circumvent the parents of a child who's under 18 to already have a relationship with them. Right. You know, she, she wanted to be able to have that relationship, but that doesn't come with for free. You cannot just say, you know, oh, I, I love you and miss you, but I'm unwilling to see you because your father is a heretic or something, <laughs> you know? Like that doesn't make sense. No, it seems totally normal to them to do that. Totally, yeah, totally to disconnect from one person just to have right to have the other relationship. Like, yeah, that's, and that and that you and as you as their parents would be like, well, you know, that's your grandmother, but she just you know she's not allowed to talk to us, so you just have to accept that she can't right. come for holidays and stuff like that. But you know, I'll push you outside the front door so you can kiss her as she drives by. Right. Like exactly, that's that's what they think is a normal thing to do. Catherine's family, you know, like her father, basically, I don't think he ever was on the, the father kick. My yeah. brother and mother both, both, you know, were said, why can't you be quiet? Why can't you leave quietly? They both asked right. me that question. Yeah. You know, like you need to, can't you just stay in? Because that to me was like, oh, that means they love me. Actually, there's right. some kind of love there, which I yeah. took as a nice thing. Yeah. But I refused to be quiet and to not speak how I felt because I'd already done that for a decade in Scientology. Right. Never once brought up how I felt or had a real communication with them. So I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be, I'm going to be me and I'm going to be happy. And if you don't want to be part of that, that's fine. But I'm going to make a decision. Yeah. But it also disputes all of your childhood, all of the neglect, all of the conditional love. Like you have to make it easier for us to continue to be not great family members. Like right. it negates everything you've been through. Everything, right. every, and, uh, all and the trauma, all yes, of it, all, all, of, it, right, all right. of it. Yeah. And Catherine, your dad. And well, it's funny. Cause I, I remember we talked the day that you posted on Instagram, which was a pretty big deal for all of us. And I'm so proud of you guys. And I've told you this several times, but I want whoever's listening to know how proud of you I am and how proud all of us are of you and can't wait to see you because of course, then there was a pandemic and that we couldn't see you. <laughs> so we're all, we're so, all ready. We're like, so are so we coming ready. to you? Are you coming to us? Like, wow. You know, that it was like, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was the yeah. most disappointing, <laughs> disappointing climax ever. Cause it was like, we're free. And yeah. then it's like, we're stuck at all. <laughs> I will say that having a year and in a few months to, to be at home, like with Catherine to decompress yeah. and like go through the healing trauma of like, all yeah. of the cult stuff. While I, while this pandemic has been horrible for everyone across the boards, I'm actually, I personally take a blessing. Like I had a year to really just digest and yeah. grow and like heal as a person. Yeah. And you know, therapy, like, like I wouldn't, I, I, for the first few months we were out, I could not, the idea of going to a therapist was like, so dichotomy, you know, like, oh, no. what, yeah, yeah, yeah. what I could do as a Scientologist. Yeah. And finally, at one point, like after being like completely, you know, anxious and wildly depressed and unhappy, I took the plunge and it immediately was like, oh, this is what Scientology is supposed to achieve. You know, this right. is the, oh, like right. talk therapy. Oh, okay. Uh, like, yeah. I've never, never had these gains in a, in a yeah. session. Never once felt acknowledged or listened to or 
right. know, like some 12 year old auditor is not going to be able to provide you mental health tips. Right. And right. also, you know, L. Ron Hubbard shouldn't be no any, idea what he was anywhere. doing. Yeah, none. Yes, when it came, to, yeah, the the opposite of what he was right. doing. He was planting the trauma. But right. yeah, no, I, I I I'm so proud of you guys for for that. And I I remember when you posted, I I called you, Catherine. I said, "What did Melinda say? Your sister?" And the only thing she said to you was, "Were you hacked?" Yeah, that's what she literally <laughs> asked. She said, "Did were you hacked, or did you really post that to IG?" For Instagram. And I said, mm. I posted that from my heart. And she has since blocked me on all social media and on the phone. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. You know, yeah. I mean, you know that I stopped talking to her in, I think the beginning, like the end of 2008 was when I kind of cut ties with her. Babe, I cut ties with your sister when I was in Scientology. <laughs> Wait, I mean, to me. disconnect from a motherfucker when you're in Scientology says a lot. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that the, <laughs> That relationship was so tumultuous at that point. You know, yeah. the combination of one, I think that OT7 really turned her from, turn, took any of the good in her left uh-huh. and flushed it out, out yeah. the window. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember it was just so hard. I was working for you, which was also working for Melinda. Mm-hmm. Melinda, I know. And it was just, I had left staff to come work for you Yeah. and working for you as a nanny when Melinda was gone, it was fine. There was no trauma. There was never really anything where I was like, am I going to get in trouble? Am I going to get nothing? But with Melinda, it was very hard. So I disconnected from her and kind of was like, um, and I remember telling, we had a chaplain like meeting. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Like I, this was the second time it was a meeting with Melinda, Eric, Leslie, the top ethics officer for the whole all the blue buildings, pack base, yeah. and Julian and me, and then the chaplain from Celebrity Center. And I finally, at a certain point in the meeting, was like, I can't do this anymore with her. Yeah. Yeah. I was like in hysterical, like panic attack at that point. Yeah, I was like yeah. crying. I was like. I can't do this with her anymore. You can see we're just going in circles. I'm so yeah. upset. I'm not saying she's a suppressive evil person, but I don't want her in my life anymore. And I don't want to be connected to her. Yeah. Cause you know, you can't even in Scientology be like, I'm disconnecting from this person. Well, that Cause they were saying, you, you know, are you, are you implying she's a suppressive? How could you disconnect from a Scientologist in good standing? I was like, well, I'm exactly. doing it. Yeah. But I did it. I did I, it. And it wasn't yeah. easy. And yeah, she I know. Would continuously reach out and she would, yeah tried to get me back under her thumb. And it got to a point where even I told my dad, I said, if you give any of my information to Melinda, I will not talk to you anymore. Yeah, I don't want anything to do with Melinda. And he'd be like, well, it's your sister. And I go, it doesn't matter if it's my sister or not. If she's toxic and she causes me so much pain in my yeah. life yeah. that this is, I'm crying. Yeah. It's not a healthy relationship. Yeah, And that's the thing is like, he never, my father could never even fully understand, but yeah. he did eventually stop talking to Melinda about myself, I think. But also I didn't really talk to my own dad very much. Yeah. I talked to William and you guys more often than my own father, yeah. because it just was never a real relationship. I know that's the thing. It, it was that you look back at all your relationships and you just go, were they, were they? They weren't anything. She controlled me like she controlled you. And people would say that. Like, who the fuck is this woman? Like, in your life? Right. Does she work for you? Do you work for her? I was like, well, we all work for Melinda, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just say that when I first met her, 
like my yeah. the radar like i remember telling Catherine, i was like this your sister is like i was like this person does not sit well with me i think she's an S- i think she's impressive like, right, I literally, yeah. the moment i met her <laughs> i was like there's something off about her yeah and what did your dad say uh when you left um, well, so I called him and I said, dad, I just want to let you know that we are publicly leaving Scientology. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to not be able to talk to William anymore. I miss him. He's my brother. And I don't. Did you remind him do... and also your son? Or yeah, no? I did. Okay. I said, I said, it's not, it doesn't make sense to me yeah. that, you know, my brother, your son, we can't talk to him. Like it's yeah. been years and that doesn't make sense to me. And I don't want it. And I don't agree with him with it anymore. And he said, well, that's okay. L. Ron Hubbard says that it's not for everyone and that you don't have to be a Scientologist. So I don't think that there's going to be a problem. And I said, okay, dad, I'm telling you now, I'm most likely going to get declared. I'm publicly saying I'm leaving and I want you to know this and that you're my father and I love you. If you need anything, I'll always be here for you. And he said, okay, dear, that's okay. Well, I'll talk to you soon. And then I had texted him and I got back a text, like a full blown response my dad is not a texter he's not a savvy computer person so when i got like a full paragraph text back i was like that's weird and i brought it up to william and he said i'd call him he said i i wouldn't be surprised if an ethics officer is responding for him ultimately i called him back again because Mm -hmm. william said you know that doesn't sound like dad would send a text like that you should Mm -hmm. call him and i did And he asked me questions that were like, obviously trying to pull more information from, um, for the ethics officer. You could tell, you know, there's leading, there's questions. So Mm -hmm. what's your plan? Are you talking with Leah now? Are you, Mm -hmm. um, you know, okay. And I was like, you know, dad, it's just about being with family and being able to not be in this thing anymore. And Mm -hmm. just want to be happy. And yeah. then he said, okay, dear, well, I'll talk to you soon. And that was the last that I talked to him. Right. And you've never tried to contact him again. I've texted him a few times mm-hmm. and uh, I've got no responses at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and are so my family on the east coast which is my dad's family are mm-hmm. not scientologists and they all know that he doesn't talk to me he doesn't talk to william my grandmother is just so upset she's heartbroken because she can see that scientology has ripped her family apart right. she's seeing that her grandchildren who she loves so much don't have a father and that her son is not the son that she's always had because he's just not the same at all. Yeah, but I don't I don't know that he was ever was he ever because William, you know, goes every year to, you know, your family's house in New York for the reunion to, to see your grandma and your dad was there obviously mm-hmm. one year and your dad just walked into the other room. Isn't that crazy though that like yes. you can you can this parallel world where you can just imagine that people don't exist. You're like, "Oh no, in the same room as them and I'm not going to talk to them because they don't because my, my son is so my religion, yeah, my yeah. own son, because my religion says I can't. Right. Like, what kind of scam bullshit is that? Like, if it's so powerful and so amazing, don't you think that it could hold up against one one crazy person? What, one one dinner at a yeah, family one reunion? Your son, like, you wouldn't right. melt, like, lose your mind. Exactly. <laughs> you know, the fear of like having to go and pay for 
reprogramming. Like, I got to go back in and, you know, the hundreds of hours of of Scientology I have to buy now to fix the fact that I had a real thought for myself. Right. Because, because, uh, you know, coming back from these things, let's say, uh, you know, you, you have to like write a special request. Like I have to see my son, right. You know, he's going to be there. And so then like when he got back from this, you know, they called him in and said, tell us exactly what happened. Like, did you talk to him? And nope, nope. Great. Great. He'd be validated for that. Oh, so, you know, you haven't talked to your daughter, right? Uh, No. Great. Great. You haven't seen your grandsons, huh? right? Right, great, great. Like this is like what it, this place calling itself as church is validating. Right. It's insane. Well, it's, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, that's what also was, see for us over the six years, there were little straws that went on the camel's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So one time I posted a throwback picture on Instagram of Vicky and Rex at Christmas. Mm. And it was, it's like one of my favorite photos in the whole wide world, because you can see like, there's love there from Vicky on this little squishy baby. And I posted it and someone wrote a report on me. Oh my God. They wrote a report because I posted and it said that it, it, yeah, another Scientologist, actually someone who used to work in the president's office. I forget her name. Mm -hmm. But um, she wrote a report basically stating that it lo- it made it look like I was okay with you guys and that I was connected to you. Right. So then I got called in to the local <laughs> organization and was put on a meter and given a 45-minute uh, metered ethics interview. An interrogation. When, yeah, basically an interrogation for 45 minutes of like, when's the specific date? Like, making me go over dates again to see if my stories were consistent. And of course they were because I was quote unquote, that good Scientologist who was like, I just know I got to just keep being a Scientologist because this is the only way it's going to make the planet any better. And so I gave them all the answers and then they came back with, we need to do another interview. So then I get another 45 minute interrogation on the meter and still nothing comes up. And then in the end they go, okay, so. Um, we got the orders and it, we acknowledge that nothing came up in the interview and that's good. We would like you to sit down and write OWs, overts and withholds, basically any sins, Your anything that I've done. Yeah, right. 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 Yeah, yeah. And she, and I was like, no, I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not in bad standing. I'm doing well in life. I've right. already been honest. I'm not connected. Yeah. I've already given up my family for you people. I'm not yeah. doing any more. Right. And that was kind of where I was like done with Scientology, where I was like, fuck you people, honestly, like they tried to get me to block you on social media because you (laughs) text or on, on my phone too, because you had texted me one time. And I told her, I said, she texted me happy Thanksgiving and that she misses me. And and her, the ethics officer's response was, um, well, can you block her? And I said, absolutely not. I said, if there's an emergency push come to shove, this is my family. Yeah. If they need me, I'm, I don't care if I get declared, I'm going to be there. Why would yeah. I block my own family? Like that was to me where That's I was like. That's so foreign to them, Catherine. You're speaking yeah. another language. Yeah. But for me, <clears throat> I was like, no, like yeah. that's insane. What if my brother got in an accident? Right, right. Yeah, what that's that. They, 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 they're like, good. That's what they're thinking. Good. Yep. Exactly. We hope he does. We hope he does. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, then uh, so, you wouldn't have to deal with them anymore. <laughs> and Catherine, they're thinking you're you're fucking insane. Like they're thinking yeah. you're fucking insane. Yeah. Like why wouldn't you just automatically already block them? And it's like, right. 
Right. Because they're my family. They don't understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's part of the problem. And I'm lucky enough to have been able to recognize that. Like, yes. Yes. No, this is, this is my family. And ultimately I still, my allegiance is to them when push comes to shove. If you're going to put in a knife to my neck, I'm going to pick my family. Yeah. But it speaks yeah. volumes though. It's the and idea of like, of like what the, how quick and easy Scientology will just turn their back on someone for the, because it's so, it's like, it is the only thing that matters and nothing only else thing. is relevant. And you could be, you, know, you could be dying in the ditch and like, oh, well, you're not really a Scientologist. So I can't talk to you anymore. Oh yeah. Oh, they, they, but they'll but they'll go out and they'll hand out a million way to happiness booklets and proclaim that they're saving mankind. But like, if you actually need help, you're not yeah. you're not oh. anyone they're going to help. There's no oh, way no. they're going to help you. You nope. need to go do conditions. Go find the right condition and over and sins you've committed to be able to fix the problem you have. Right, right. Yep. Well, listen, I'm super proud of you guys. You have done amazing. You're 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 uh you have a beautiful family, like you said. You and Catherine are growing. You're in therapy. You just bought your first house. You have an amazing job, Catherine. You're an amazing mom. Like, I, I just wanted to just say, you guys, uh, well done, really. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm so happy to have you back in our lives, and we're all can't wait to see you, Catherine, and have you bake your famous cakes for us. And happily, <laughs> happily, I've been I've been practicing. Ask Julian. I've made um, some new brownie techniques. No, you don't understand, <laughs> Catherine, Mike, Mike, Catherine bakes cakes that like it's just not right it's not right. they're extra calorie rich they're good it's for just, if you're gonna go on a long hike not and eat right. nothing else it's just not oh right. excellent well yes. i can't wait yes and i just i just want to say that to anyone who you know who's on the fence or who is scared i it is scary to leave scientology even if or you any cult no, or any yeah. abusive relationship yes yeah it's yeah. scary because you don't know you're told that you're nothing without that group and I'm learning that that's not true. I'm learning that I myself am worthy of space and existence and living yeah. and joy. I deserve joy and not because I repent and I, I give up my sins and I give a thousand hours to Scientology. We all, and we all deserve love and joy and happiness and finding what makes us mm-hmm. have a drive for life. And I hope that if people are on the fence and are scared that they know that there are people who are going to be friends with them, they're going to have support. They're going to have people to talk to, to Mm -hmm. get through that really hard time and that they can get out. Yes. Thank you guys. And thank you. Also that that Mike and Leah, both you guys, like the, the path you're carving for people to be able to have a, just as a resource, if nothing else to be able to go, Oh, like that's just a, you guys have done such a huge service to both like, you know, all those humanitarian awards that passed out on Scientology stages, whatever, that garbage. This is like legit humanitarian work where you're like helping people realize their own self-value. And if you just like us, just us one couple, go, holy shit, you know, like that kind of thing. I, I think anything you guys are doing is worth the, the extra work you're doing because it's just a, a monumental thing. And I can't, can't thank you guys enough. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Can, thank I ask, Mike, can I ask you one question, Mike, before I go? Of course. Of course. Okay. So. So at the end of my tenure on staff, I was like, I got reamed by like every ethics officer on the pack base because I was, you know, Melinda hated me and because I was like not willing to obey her narcissistic ways. So I got commed, a committee of evidence, it was like an ethics fact-finding commission four times in, in less than a year. Wow. None of them ever came back because like, you know, the chief justice officer or whatever, CJC chief, is that actually a person? Is this like one random dude who's like 12 years old in an office somewhere? Like, who is that person? 
well, there is, there is a person who's called the International Justice Chief, and Mike then there Ellis, is a, yeah. a CJC, which is a Continental Justice Chief, and that could have been a 12-year-old. The okay. International Justice Chief is a guy by the name of Mike Ellis, who has been there forever and is literally a figurehead who is used as the sort of front to... Um, like in a case like yours, if a committee of evidence happened with someone like you who has such uh, connections to celebrity, you know, and potential ramifications for whatever, it will get sent to the internet to the international justice chief, and then he has to go clear whatever it is that's going to happen with the Office of Special Affairs, maybe with RTC, with Celebrity Center, and what it turns into the bureaucracy that nobody can ever make a decision to say, oh, yes, I'll put my name and stamp of approval on this because then they're on the hook for it. So they pass the buck endlessly and nothing ever comes back. And you're left sitting down there and no response, no nothing. So then someone decides, oh, well, we better do it again. And so it's just, it's, it's like this crazy internal politics in Scientology and the unknown uh, influence and control points that exist that make these things like turn into, you know, Rube Goldberg machines where they just go round and around and around because nobody ever wants to be responsible. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And so you're, would you be safe to say that I caused a lot of turmoil and trouble for various people? Oh, I'm sure, sure you did. <laughs> okay, good. Just making sure. <laughs> good that- job, yes. man. Good job. <laughs> and and Julian, you know, I'm I'm truly sorry for your pain. It's palpable, and I get it, and I understand it. And I and I hope that your brother one day opens his eyes and you have your family back. You know, listen, I never thought you guys would leave, and you did. Right? There's people out there who thought Mike Rinder would never leave, and he did. Same with me. You know, so it's like you know we all have hope. And, uh, you know, have continue to have that hope that yep. you get your family back. And and thank you, Julian. I know you've been doing work for us, too, out there with some Scientologists pretending to be uh, somebody. Qualified for, qualified yeah, for public so, office. Yes. Uh, yes. And you've been very vocal <laughs> about that. And uh, uh, she didn't get voted in. And, and thank you for doing that work. And, and thank you both for coming on and being public and being brave and doing the work you know you're doing the work and we love you and can't wait to see you yes absolutely okay can't wait and and thank you all for listening until next time 